The following podcast is a Simpronto Media production. She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode and we have Beth O'Hara and her website is masscell360.com and we are going to be talking about how sometimes you might even be eating healthy foods like avocados, spinach, fermented foods and you notice that you may not be feeling well, like you might have symptoms of fatigue, skin issues, headaches, other things. So welcome Beth to the show. Tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Oh, thanks so much, Chantel. I'm excited to be here because I find that when we talk about these topics, light bulbs go on for people and it's a game changer. So a a little about myself, I have mass activation syndrome myself and histamine intolerance, and I was never well through my life. And I had digestive issues. I had a lot of blood sugar issues, different things that we'll talk about today. And it, it, significantly affected my life. No one could figure it out. So I went to over 50 different practitioners. I stopped counting at $150,000 I'd spent on my health. And finally, I realized I was going to have to dig into this myself. And that's how I got here. So I ended up, once I got my health back, going back to graduate school, becoming a functional naturopath, and then developing this practice, Mass Cell 360, to help people who are dealing with these issues to get well much faster and hopefully for significantly less money than it took me to get my life back. Awesome. Well, first I want to start with, let's start with histamine intolerance first. So first of all, what is histamine intolerance? Because a lot of people, you know, are sending in questions saying things like, look, I'm eating super healthy. You know, I'm eating all these great foods. I'm eating fermented foods. I'm eating juice. I'm eating uh, citrus fruits. And every time I do, my skin gets worse. I'm feeling terrible. So if someone's having chronic issues, first, let's talk about histamine intolerance. First of all, what is it? And what are some of the high histamine foods that cause this intolerance? Right. So I started figuring these things out by exactly having the issues exactly like you described. And so I was doing everything for my health and I was making bone broths. My kitchen looked like a lab because I was making all these ferments and uh, making kefir and all these things are supposed to be super healthy for you. But I kept getting worse and worse. And what I learned in this journey is that histamine is an inflammatory molecule in the body. It's an essential thing in the body. We have to have histamine. And a lot of people know about histamine in terms of allergies and taking an antihistamine medication. But histamine is involved in most of the systems in the body. So it's important in digestion and brain health. And um, it's involved in the skin. I mean, any part of the body you can think of. But when histamine levels get too high, that's when we start to get these symptoms. So we can think about it like a bucket. So we want the histamine levels to be kind of halfway in the bucket, you know, about halfway full. But when we're histamine sensitive and we're eating a lot of these high histamine foods, and those are going to be things like you described, avocados, fermented foods, bone broth, strawberries, pineapple, um, any kind of packaged or processed foods are going to be higher histamine. 
And there's a whole list. So if people are experiencing those symptoms, I've got a really good foods list there on the website people can look at. And when that, those histamine levels get to too high, we can think about the bucket overflowing. And that's when we start to get these different kinds of symptoms. We can get digestive symptoms. You can get anxiety, depression. People can get skin symptoms like rashes or rosaceas linked with it. So there's a number of things that are associated with it. And I find that when people are starting to do things like intermittent fasting and going low carb, they start to gravitate towards a number of those foods. And then that can show us who might be more prone to histamine intolerance and mast cell issues and, and who isn't because those aren't necessarily bad foods. They're just not right for some people. Okay. And so then now what is the difference between histamine intolerance and mast cell activation syndrome? So histamine intolerance is where we're just dealing with histamine, just that one molecule. So there's too much we're eating or too much is being produced or we're not breaking it down with the histamine degrading enzymes in the body. But then mast activation syndrome is more complex and the mast cells are immune cells in the body. And they're kind of like the, I like to think of them as the frontline defenders, like the guards of the castle gate. And when those mast cells are doing their jobs properly, then they're gonna recognize when there are viruses or bacteria or toxins, and then their job is to help surround those and call the rest of the immune system in to, um, to clean that up. Or a lot of people have noticed mast cell reactions when they've gotten a splinter. So if you've ever gotten a splinter in your finger and then you never got it, you didn't get it out fast enough and it started to get swollen and puffy and red and sometimes it gets itchy, that'll be a mast cell reaction. Or when you get mosquito bites and they swell. But some people get bigger reactions. So those mosquito bites will be bigger than normal or they'll have bigger reactions when they get a virus, they get a cold, they get more inflamed than usual. And anytime we have inflammation in the body, we have some mast cell involvement. So any inflammatory condition, so that's a lot. And mast cell activation syndrome is where these mast cells get dysregulated from having chronic infections or chronic toxicity. And they're overproducing inflammatory chemicals. So their job is to produce inflammatory chemicals. And when they get out of balance, they're producing way too many. And so there's hundreds of chemicals in those mast cells. Histamine is just one. So there's things like tryptase and prostaglandins and interleukins, all these different types of chemicals. And it's what that makes these cells really fascinating is that they have so many different processes that they can go through and things they can respond to. But we live in a world where we have a lot of chronic toxins and a lot of chronic infections and we have chronic mold issues, these high electromagnetic fields, all of these things are going to trigger those mast cells. And mast cell activation syndrome is very common. It's one of the most under-recognized conditions. So it's in about 10 to 17% of the general population are dealing with mass activation, which is huge. So that's one in 10. What was that, per what was that percentage? Nine to 17% is the estimate right now. Mm. And so again, if we think about that being one in 10 or even one in eight people are dealing with this, 
And in the people with chronic health conditions, it's much higher, well over 50% of people with some kind of chronic health condition. If we're talking about autoimmunity, um, diabetes, if we're talking about heart conditions, digestive conditions, because those mast cells are in all of the systems in the body. And so if there's a toxin underlay to a condition, if there's a pathogen underlay, there's gonna be a mast cell involvement. And it's almost like they can get, their programming gets miswired, or you can think about it like the, the program is just not working right anymore. So those guards of the castle gate that are there to protect us should be recognizing when um, things that are coming into the body, like healthy foods and water and different things that shouldn't be triggering us, should let those in. And then when things that we can think of as the, the enemies, the toxins, the pathogens, should keep those out or surround them and get rid of them. But when they get dysregulated, like we're seeing so much now, then it's almost like they can't tell the difference. And I call it, they start shooting at butterflies. And butterflies would be things like foods and um, supplements and medications that our body should be accepting. So people start to develop some interesting sensitivities. So I love the analogy that you said, like your histamine levels kind of work like a bucket. Like, so you, if you just had one strawberry or maybe some spinach and a little tiny bit of avocado, you had a few bites here or there of those high histamine foods, then you would be maybe be okay. But if you had, you know, you know, a thing of strawberries, you know, two avocados, stuff like that. Now it's like, okay, your body is going into full on overflow and, and your body can't handle that. Did I explain that right? No, that's perfect, Chantel. And also if we have, maybe we just had two strawberries, but we had a fruit salad that had strawberries and pineapple and we had it with a hamburger. So beef is aged, it's higher histamine. And we added some fermented sauerkraut, you know, some raw sauerkraut with it. And we wash it all down with kombucha. Then we've had a number of different histamine foods and that bucket can overfill. And this is what makes it confusing for people because something somebody ate two days ago might not catch up with them until a couple of days later because there are a lot of other things that raise histamine and also mast cells are gonna produce that histamine. So hormonal changes and women tend to have more issues during ovulation and the start of their period. Hey guys, one of the things that will take your weight loss to the next level is coaching. You can either work one-on-one -on -one with me or one of our certified private coaches. If you'd like, you can schedule your free call. It's a 10-minute strategy call just to see if coaching is going to really take you to the next level. The other thing is listening to the audiobook. Listening to the audiobook and getting the video course that I've done, people are seeing dramatic results. If you just listen to the audiobook 30 minutes a day over and over and over again and get the video course. Go to ChantelRayway.com and check out the video course. You won't be sorry you did. So estrogen increases histamine. So two strawberries might not get somebody when they're not ovulating, but then when they're ovulating might get them at that point in time, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you know, I know Dr. Gundry has written like a huge, you know, he's had a best-selling book and it's all been on lectins, right? Like that was his. Right. Book. So I want you to kind of explain 
the difference between oxalates, histamine, and lectins. Cause it's like, you know, people can kind of just get like overwhelmed. They're like, well, what can I eat? You know what I mean? Like, they're like, I can't have this. I can't. <laughs> and I, I get it because figuring this out, Chantel, I got down to about 10 foods that I could eat while I was learning all of this stuff because nobody, Dr. Gundry didn't have his book out back then. And I couldn't figure out why I wasn't tolerating all these foods until I figured out the, the missing or these links that tie it together. So a lot of people just have histamine intolerance. However, many people with mast cell activation also have histamine intolerance and these other food sensitivities. And if people are wondering if they have mast cell activation, if you've got any kind of issues in two or more symptoms, so if there's sleep issues and gut issues, or people have flushing and they have hormonal reproductive issues, then we wanna take a look and see if mast cell issues might be going on. And I have a symptom survey on the website people can go to and, and check it out and see if this might be affecting them. And then that would help people see, do they need to look at these other food sensitivities? And so lectins, a huge amount of appreciation for Dr. Gundry's work because that filled in one of these missing pieces. Lectins are these plant proteins that trigger mast cells and are inflammatory. And so some people have heard of that category of foods by knowing to avoid nightshades. So those are gonna be like tomatoes, peppers, eggplants, but any of the new world vegetables. So sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, squashes, all of these are higher in lectin and a lot of grains are higher in lectin. This is part of why some people feel much better when they go grain free. So there's that lactin piece and mast cells actually have a receptor on the outside of them that lectins can dock onto and then that activates those mast cells to kind of go into their attack mode. So they see these lectins as enemies that they have to fight off. And getting lectins down can be a game changer for people. I had worked on the histamine part of my diet and gotten histamine levels down, but I was still having a lot of symptoms, especially joint burning. And when I pulled the lectins out, it was gone in a week. It was just really like, boom. And then I tried adding some lectins back in, that joint burning came right back. So that was a good test for me to see if lectins were an issue. Now, oxalates are a whole different category. And a number of plants produce oxalates. And it's kind of a defense mechanism for the plants to keep animals from eating them. So that should trigger us to maybe we're not supposed to be eating them. And those oxalates look at like little razor blades or little shards of glass under a microscope. So you can imagine if you just have little shards of glass running through your system, that's gonna cause inflammation. And oxalates are associated with, most people have heard of kidney stones. So that's the most well known, but that's only, that's less than 1% of oxalate issues. Most people experience things like joint pain, fibromyalgia, muscle pain, urinary burning, urinary urgency, vulvodynia. Um, they can cause, lodge in the lungs and cause issue in the lungs. So it just depends on where they lodge, what kind of issues people get. They can also come out of the skin and cause certain forms of acne. Now, not everybody's gonna get all of those symptoms, 
But I was, when I was dealing with oxalates, it took me a decade to figure out this was why I had debilitating joint pain. And I had to walk with a cane starting about age 28. And it was excruciating. And I was misdiagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And I was put on all these medications and nothing was helping. And as I tapered down my oxalate foods, once I finally realized that was an issue, that joint pain completely cleared up. And I'm in my 40s now. I haven't been on a cane in 10 years, but I had quite a while where I could barely walk. So I was eating all of these high oxalate foods also trying to eat really healthy. And high oxalate foods, the highest are beets, Swiss chard, spinach, and spinach is also high histamine, and rhubarb, which some people like rhubarb pie, and almonds are very high. So when I went gluten-free, I was eating a lot of almond flour and making almond flour foods. And then celery juice is going to be high. So celery juice, a lot of people are trying now. And it's, again, not that these foods are bad. They work great for a lot of people. It's just if you have some of these kind of symptoms, these may not be the healthiest foods for you. Well, let's talk about some things that are, you know, low in oxalates, don't have lectins and are low in histamine. So like all three. So it's kind of like, yes. here are some foods like that are really, really great. If, if you're having these symptoms and, and I want people who are listening, like if you don't have any skin issues, you don't have vertigo, you don't have fatigue, you don't have eczema, then by all means, like keep eating avocado and keep eating artichokes. Yeah, you know, all these different things. We this episode is truly for people who are having chronic health issues, and they're literally looking at you, going, "Look, I'm eating avocado, spinach, fermented foods." Like, what what kind of was an on for me is, I whenever I'd have like kombucha, I would feel terrible. Like there mm-hmm. were certain things that I'd. It's so crazy. Um, my skin would break out if I have like too much oranges, like orange juice or like citrus foods, my skin would break out, um, or any kind of fermented foods, like which really makes you feel good. Now, what about bone broth? I want you to talk about that. Why is bone broth an issue? Because chicken is not an issue, right? So it's not, it depends on one, how sensitive people are, and two, how old the chicken is. So I work with a lot of super sensitive people. So those of us that are very sensitive, we have to get our meat frozen after slaughter and it can't sit in the grocery store, you know, refrigerator case. But for most people, those foods are gonna be fine. When we're looking at bone broth, bone broths are made by long, slow cooking. And so the longer you cook something, the more you're gonna get histamine built up in it because bacteria make histamine. So that's part of why cultured foods are high. There's multiple reasons we can have high histamine, but bacteria levels are one. So the longer it's slow cooked um, roasts, slow cooked chicken, that can get people more than if you're cooking something quickly. And then the other piece with that bone broth is that bone broths are gonna be higher in oxalates. So this, this oxalates accumulate in the bone broth. So I tell people that are histamine sensitive, oxalate sensitive to do a meat broth. And so you just put the meat in and boil it for about 20 minutes and you'll still get that nice flavor. 
you won't have as much gelatin or glutamine as you would have with the bone broth, but you can still get the flavor that you're looking for. Now, people do ask me, did I answer your question on the bone broth? Yeah, so like for beef, you're saying if it has, like, let's just make that practical. Like if you know how they say like the best beef is aged beef, right? Like right. Right. Premium, you're going to pay a lot of money from that. So like, let's say someone went to Burger King or five guys burgers and fries and got a burger from there. Do you think that that, because that's probably not aged beef, right? It probably is. Almost all beef in the U.S. is aged. Mm -hmm. It is the flavor. And the, it, the aging process is kind of a culturing process. So you're going to get an increase of bacteria that are tenderizing the meat. Mm -hmm. And then ground meats have more surface area. So you get more opportunity for that kind of bacteria to build. And we have bacteria in all of our foods. Our foods aren't sterile like people often think they are. But there's a, a normal amount that's safe for most people. But it, for people histamine system, it's going to be too much. Hey guys, I wanted to tell you I'm offering a free weight loss virtual Bible study. Now is the perfect time to focus on understanding true hunger and fullness and learn what the Bible has to say about it. All you have to do is go to ChantelRayWay.com slash Bible study. After you sign up, you'll receive a six week Bible study video that you can watch on your own or you can get a small group of people and do it together. That's ChantelRayWay.com slash Bible study for your free six week Bible study course. Gotcha. And then what about fish and shellfish? Great question. So fish to be low histamine has to be gutted and frozen on the boat. And about the only fish that happens with is wild caught salmon. So because the fish isn't gutted, if we think about how much bacteria is in any healthy gut, there's gonna be a lot of bacteria. Fish usually isn't gutted right after it's caught. It's usually whole and transported. And so the longer it goes without being gutted, the higher the histamine levels build. And then it's also hard to gut shellfish. And so it's usually not gutted right after it's caught. It's usually a few days later. If you think about shrimp and you take the vein out of the shrimp, that's the gut. So that's how those histamine levels build. So most people have to stick with things like wild caught salmon, or if they're lucky enough to live by the ocean, then if they can get fish right when it comes off the boat and gut it and cook it right away, that's gonna be the lowest histamine. Yeah, I live in Virginia Beach, so we have a lot of like fresh fish. I, I love, love um, tuna, but um, that's the only fish that I like, unfortunately. Yeah. And let's talk about kind of cured meats like, you know, turkey, bacon, salami, pepperoni, lunch meats, and hot dogs. Yeah. So anytime there's that curing process, you're going to get those built. And it's interesting. I never liked hot dogs or hamburgers when I was a kid. You know, those are kind of ubiquitous childhood foods, but I just never cared for them. And I think it's because I just didn't feel well when I ate them. So anything like that, pepperoni, salami, those kinds of things. I love how those foods taste, but I never felt good afterwards in that set histamine level. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about more positive things and let's talk about things that you can eat. So let's talk about like, what do you eat in a typical day? Like what do lunches look like for you? What do dinners look like for you? Yeah. Some of your favorite foods that you do eat and you feel good on. 
one of the things I had to do with all these different kinds of sensitivities, because I have all of them. I have the histamine, the lectin, and the oxalate issues. And at first, you know, I felt pretty crummy about it. And I was a foodie and I loved eating out and I loved eating all kinds of different gourmet foods and I lost so many of those. So I had to get creative so I could bring that enjoyment of foods back in. And I really found that there are so many great foods that we can still eat and healthy foods. So for today, I had a chicken salad that had arugula in it. Um, I can't eat eggs, so it has some hard-boiled eggs, an olive oil, and then it had a cumin um, sea salt dressing. And that was so just- So it didn't lovely. have mayonnaise then, right? No mayonnaise, exactly. So I usually use olive oil and, and seasonings for things like that. Last night, I do have some unaged beef I have access to. And so I had a beef. Curry. Where do you get your unaged beef from? There is a website called White Oak Pastures. And they, they have been um, sold out sometimes. But if you just keep watching on there, you can find unaged beef. And they have a lot of great pasture-raised, grass-fed foods on there. So I made this beef curry. And it was a basil beef curry. So it was a coconut base and had a lot of basil flavor. And then because I don't do grains, I did rutabaga noodles. And so the rutabaga just gets shredded into these long shreds and stir fried. And it's kind of like having it on noodles. Mm. Awesome. What about like desserts? So like when you want something sweet or, you know, you, you're craving some sugar, what do you look for and go to? So I try to stay, I do love sweet things, but I try to stay low sugar because sugar will raise histamine levels and also stimulate mast cells. So one of my favorite things is a mango ice cream that I make. And I have these recipes on the blog there if people want to check them out. This mango ice cream is super simple. You just put frozen mango in a blender, pour coconut milk on top, and then I put some monk fruit in it. I find monk fruit gives a better, well-rounded flavor. And then sometimes I'll use stevia. You blend that up in a high-speed blender and it's really creamy. So you have to eat it right away. If you freeze it, it's gonna get pretty hard. You won't be able to scoop it. But you can just make up a single batch of that. That's a great go-to. Sometimes I'll make an apple crumble and I use pecans and ghee and vanilla and some monk fruit and make the, to the topping. And that's one of the recipes I have on there. I have blueberry muffins, I have scones, um, all kinds of things like that. A replacement for yogurt made with coconut milk that people can add fruit to. And so we don't have to feel deprived. We just have to get a little creative. Awesome. Now, when you order that beef from that White Oak Pastures, do they have two different kinds of beef? Like, do you have to specifically ask for their not aged beef or that all their beef is just happens to not be aged? It'll show up on the website. So the ones that are aged have a big banner across the picture and say aged 21 days. And that's actually just a small subset. Most of them aren't aged. Gotcha. Cool. Well, this has been amazing. Thanks for coming on our show. Tell listeners a little bit about where they can find you and where they can follow you. 
So we're at mastcell360.com. It's M-A-S-T as in Tom, C-E-L-L-360.com. Lots of free resources on there for people. If you suspect you might have mast cell activation or histamine intolerance, there's a great free root causes report on there. And then on Facebook, just mast cell 360. I do Facebook lives usually on Mondays and lots of free information there for people so they can learn more about this, see if it's affecting them. And if it is, how to get started on the first steps of addressing it. So let me ask you this, how, like, let's just say someone scheduled an appointment with you. You can see anyone across the country. What kind of lab testing do you give people to see if they have mast cell, um, I always forget the rest of it. I always have mast cell, but. Um, the activate, mast cell activation syndrome. Yeah, mast yeah. Cell activation syndrome or histamine or oxalate or they have a sensitivity to lectins? Like what is the testing you're gonna do? Yeah, these are great questions. So one, the mast cell activation tests, the blood tests are not very reliable. And so I don't like them. Um, those are things that are normally tested like histamine and prostaglandins and tryptase. So I actually don't do many of those because I don't work with insurance. So we're not worried about getting a diagnosis code but the reason those aren't reliable is because those markers are up and down in the blood super quick. And what I'm finding is, and that's part of the diagnostic criteria, but it's missing 90% of people with mast cell activation syndrome. And that diagnostic criteria is still in evolution. So it just was developed in 2016. It's got a long way to go. But there are some other things to look at. So I look at their symptoms. Everybody does the symptom survey. And then we start looking for root causes. So that depends on their case history. On the histamine intolerance, we can look at histamine levels and diamine oxidase levels. And that's diamine oxidase is one of the major histamine degrading enzymes. And then there's another enzyme that's dependent on methylation. Some people might've heard of that process. So we can check people's methylation pathways. On the oxalates, Great Plains Laboratories has an organic acid test, and they have three markers on there for oxalates. And that's very helpful. It will miss some people because not everyone, it's a urine test and some people are holding those oxalates in the tissues. So we could get some false negatives, but you don't get false positives on that. So that's a good one to look at. And then if somebody's dealing with fibromyalgia and urinary pain and burning, that's almost a dead ringer. So we'll usually try lowering oxalates at that point and just see if it helps. So these are some of the starting places. And then I check everybody for mold toxicity. That's one of the most common root causes that I see in my practice. Mm. And then have, do you see a lot of people have, vert, like is vertigo caused by histamine intolerance or is it just multiple reasons why people get vertigo? Vertigo can be related to histamine intolerance. It can be related to mast cell if it's dropping people's blood pressure. But if people are having vertigo when they sit up and it's better when they lie down, that is sometimes oxalates. Oxalates can crystallize and lodge inside the inner ear and it'll throw the balance off and perception off. And that's a really easy thing to correct. There's a maneuver called an Epley maneuver that it's a physical, somebody has to see somebody physically. 
But those are some of the different things with vertigo that people can look at and could be helpful. I do want to let people know if they're looking at oxalates and suspecting they have oxalates, that you want to step oxalate foods down really slowly and not go cold turkey. Because if you lower your oxalate foods overnight to a really low oxalate, the body's going to start pulling those oxalates out of the tissues and dumping them. And people can set themselves up for kidney stones or major reactions. So we want to step those down over about six to nine months. So that's really important for people who are going to look at that to remember. And then the high oxalate foods are like spinach, almonds, uh, rhubarb, beets. I love beets. I do too. I really miss them. <laughs> um, and like baked potatoes, like with the skin on, right? Baked potatoes are going to be a little bit less, but we have to think of it as a spectrum. So those foods are the absolute highest oxalate foods. And then what's unique about the foods list I have on the website is that I have it in columns of low histamine and high histamine foods. And then I mark the lectin foods and the higher oxalate foods on there. And so if people wanna focus on just histamine, they can do that. If they wanna look at histamine and lectin, they can do that. If they wanna look at oxalates, they can do that or all three of them together. They're on that list. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being with us today. And you guys stay with us. We'll have another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.